0: Welcome to Home and Away, our special podcast series here on the No Sillings NBA podcast feed as well as YouTube channel where we're essentially focusing on bringing in guests who are within the game of basketball, be that in media, be that players, and be that head coaches as well to get a different perspective on the game and what we should be looking for and evaluating as scouts. This is your guest host here, Nathan Grubel, joined by someone who... I'm honored to to be in his presence today. Somebody who's been around the game of basketball at a high level for a long time. Someone who knows this game inside and out. Another person within the Ignite program is going to help give a little bit of context as to the level of play within the G League, as well as some of the major prospects we're likely to hear called. A lot of them in the first round on draft night in June. Head coach of G League Ignite, Coach Jason Hart. Coach Hart. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing good, brother. Uh, Happy to be here on the show, man. Looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to jump right in here. So like I said, Coach, you have plenty of experience around the game. I mean, you played at a major university in Syracuse. You were drafted to the NBA yourself. You've been a head coach at multiple levels since 2011. So bringing us from the start of your career up to where you are now, just high-level view, how have you watched the game of basketball change and evolve? throughout the years you've been involved in the game.
1: Well, the game is going to always evolve because mm-hmm. the nature of the athletes evolve. I think these guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger. And then as in time, um, the game is getting better. Um, you, you're playing it from a more skilled uh, point of view. Um, you utilizing a three point line. And so now big men are shooting threes. And so as we continue to evolve as humans, Fortunately, the game of basketball will continue to grow because it's something new uh, every day, not every year, every day. And so I see the game in a beautiful place. It's continue to grow and um, it's enriching the lives of everybody, not on the court, but off the court as well.
0: Absolutely. That's what's so fascinating about basketball, as you mentioned, changing literally every day. There's always something new to to learn and dig into and discuss, which is a big reason why I'm, I want to be so involved in this game for, for a long time. So. What are some of the lessons you've learned as a player that helped you find success as an assistant coach and now head coach of the Ignite program?
1: Well, some of the lessons, you know, you take from, from playing to coaching is, is do your best every day, you know, mm-hmm. be where your feet are, give your all. And I think, um, your work ethic, it always take over at times where you, where you're inexperienced with certain things. So I just think if you have a, a, a tremendous work ethic on and off the court, um, that will get you through your tough times. And it also help you dig deeper in the game of basketball so you can find the answers. So it's, it's always work ethic for me.
0: I love you talking about work ethic and, and some of the things that we can discuss about players off the court as well, right? Those human elements to the game. I think sometimes when, when we see discourse in, in other areas – sometimes we, we lose the sight that there's humans playing the game of basketball, right? It's not robots playing this game, it's humans. There's a lot more that goes into it than just how you shoot the ball or how you're looking to defend someone. So I'm, I'm assuming with that answer work ethic, which is, it's going to be a common topic as we talk about some of the players you've, you've had the pleasure of coaching. But if a player is recruited and ultimately signs with the Ignite program, right? What are some of the values and habits that they're going to be coached on on both ends of the floor? In other words, players can expect what? when they play for you, Coach Hart?
1: Well, when they play for me, they are gonna get somebody who's gonna be very honest and direct with them, but also somebody who first and foremost, trying to see their dreams come true. I'm not in a a contest. I'm not trying to go in the big 10 championship or I'm not trying to appease a certain booster. My only job is to align myself with your dream and bring a level of energy and professionalism every day to work and allow uh, my young men to grow on and off the court and know that the, the coach that's behind them is pushing nothing but positive uh, in them and allowing them to grow and understand the game of basketball and understand the game of life as well.
0: I love that answer because that, that whole mantra of growth, it's so prevalent within the Ignite program, in my opinion, really these last two years. And, and certainly, I, I know we're going to get into the prospects that are relevant for this draft. That's what everyone's listening to the podcast to. They want your thoughts on those guys, but I also just want to quickly discuss last year's group of Ignite Prospects, right? So these guys are all finding success early on in their careers in one way or another, right? Dyson Daniels showed some really great flashes on court for the Pelicans this year. Marjan Beauchamp got legitimate minutes for a Bucks team that was hoping to compete for a championship. Jaden Hardy, his, his shot chart coach, man, his shot chart was red every single place he shot the basketball this past year. And then Michael Foster Another one of the guys who you don't hear his name mentioned a lot, but he just won a G League championship with Delaware for crying out loud. So all of these guys are already finding success early on in their careers. But how much growth were you able to see in those guys from, from start to finish last year? How did they grow into the players they are in your eyes?
1: Well, you know, it's it's crazy now they're in the NBA. They've moved on. Um, you're playing against NBA basketball players every night. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with Team Ignite, um, just from the general uh, the general fan or, or a person with, with knowledge of the G League, they, they equate the G League as not having good players. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody who, who, who listens, the G League is a place where billionaire owners send their players to get tootletch and to develop and get better. Ignite is a place where I take 17-year-old and 18-year-olds and play against those guys. So my guys are competing against high-level talent Every game, mm-hmm. um, if I went if I was the head coach at uh, let's see, Auburn, I don't have any bye games, I'm not playing uh, HBCU, I'm not playing uh, a team from a, a lower, lower conference, Liberty, they don't get that. So, my guys, uh, and speaking of last year, um, their first game they played against James Wiseman, john Kaminga, uh, Moses Moody. And so, regardless of where you get drafted at nowadays, mm-hmm. lottery picks venture into the G League because it's a development for everybody. And so they are my players will always be ready uh because they're playing against high-level competition every night and they're learning how to be competitive every night. And so that's the biggest part in their development, is their growth because they know they have to. ready to play every night and we don't do no low management so (laughs) it only it only intensifies their uh their understanding of what this job entails and Mm -hmm. quite frankly they'd be ready for it
0: what goes into preparing these guys for the the start of a season within the g league because to your point coach i'm so glad that we are talking about the competition level of the league you're coaching and it's not like We're even at a high major college conference where, yeah, you have some NBA players on those rosters, absolutely, but not every single player on that team is likely going to make it in the NBA, whereas the G League is full of players who have either been there, who have a very good chance of getting there, or have already found success in other professional leagues, and they're coming and trying to get a piece of that pie in terms of the NBA. So what goes into preparing those young guys to come into that season and grind against players of that caliber?
1: Yeah, I'm happy you said that because you may have one pro in one conference. So mm-hmm. if I'm at the SEC, I make a Calipari may have one pro at, at Kentucky and Auburn and Vanderbilt, and the list of schools don't have any. And so mm-hmm. the level of competition um, is not there on a on the daily basis. But some of the things that we try to get our young guys um, when they first get here to get acclimated to being a pro, and that's like every day you know, you got to come in at eight in the morning, you got to eat your breakfast got to, you know, lift your weights, got to get to the court, get your skill development, practice. Then after practice, we do it again after skill. And then, you know, it's the cardio, it's the conditioning. Um, they're going from high school where a lot of these kids that we, we are getting for our program, they don't have shot clocks in and, uh, and high school basketball. Mm-hmm. And so these guys have to come in and get used to a 24-second shot clock game, which is much faster, is more possessions. And then they have to be in um, high-level in shape conditioning um, one thing we're not going to change and never if you're 17 year 17 years old like scoop um you're going to be young so you're going to be inexperienced mm-hmm. and one thing we do control and try to control is their conditioning um, i think uh that's very important being that they are, are going to be young players it's going to be full of mistakes but if they have the will and the conditioning they'll be able to fight through longer and it allows them to play through a lot of their mistakes
0: Absolutely. And, and conditioning, you, you you hit it right on the head, right? Playing at the faster pace that you guys do in the G League compared to college teams. I mean, that that has to be there 100%. Lo- love that answer. For- Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or
0: 24-7 in our mobile banking app. From you, so one fascinating storyline from from last season, from from my perspective, looking looking inwards, Pooh Jeter and I, we we talked about this when I had him on the podcast. Shout out to to Pooh; he was one of the best podcast guests I've ever had on. Period. Jane Hardy was a top five high school recruit before he came to play for Ignite, right? And and he had he had a lottery level draft stock preseason. He ended up going far later than I would have projected him to. All of us at no ceilings, we had him as a lottery pick the, the entire cycle, and, and we didn't really see reason to back off of that. But he he didn't go, certainly, where we projected him, despite overcoming struggles in a professional league like we're talking about. So I just I have to do my due diligence and ask, in, in your opinion or estimation, why do you feel like he, he dropped it and where maybe he didn't go where he probably should have gone in the draft?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if I take if I had uh, Kobe Bryant at 17 years old, you know, with all the moves and all the different uh, styles of play that he had, um, you come in and see what you have. And so this is a place where these talented young players, Jay was only 19, he missed a year of COVID. And so he got judged hard. And -hmm. the problem with NBA scouts sometimes evaluating our guys, I think they forget that they're 19 and 18, too. And so, since they're coming to a professional game, they're looking for a professional right now. Well, if Jaden Hardy went to to Gonzaga playing against, you know, no disrespect to the teams in that league, he would average 20 points easy. But he averaged 20 points versus NBA guys. And so, I think they overjudged him. Um, You know, he was still a young player, still getting better. And they overjudged. That that happens in the NBA. And so, Jaden's sliding in the draft. The ne- my next group won't slide because these mm-hmm. teams understand that these guys are NBA ready and Jaden, it's a list of guys right now I can call out that got drafted before him that spent the whole season in the G league. And mm-hmm. so um that's just plain and simple. He was better than where he got drafted and he will continue to show that. And at the end of the day, um, when it's time for a new contract, he will be able to compare himself to the guys that got drafted uh, ahead of him. So,
0: this year's class, right, you you had a very talented group of prospects that you were able to coach this season. Obviously, it starts with, with Scoot Henderson, and we'll certainly get to him in a second, but also Leonard Miller, C.D. Sissoko, Mojave King. You know, these guys, we talked about how difficult it can be to come into a professional career professional league and make that immediate jump right away right to, to obviously putting up you know 20 points or 25 points whatever the case may be it's a different league different style of play you have to be able to adapt and adjust but these guys I'm curious as to if you can point to a certain time in the season where you could point to and be like yeah that's when these guys definitely came out of the show. like this is when they proved they were ready this is when they proved they were first round picks because to me I get that they may have had some moments trying to adapt and, and evolve throughout the season, but these guys came to play, in my opinion, right out of the gate. And I, I really feel like that there wasn't really a point that that I can definitively point to and say these guys were missing a beat or it took them this long to adjust. Like this group, to me, just seemed like a fantastic group for you to be able to coach. But was there any point in time where you, where you're like, yeah, this is when it definitely clicked for these guys. This is when I knew they were ready to step up to this competition in this league.
1: Well, for me, man, it always start with their work ethic. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have struggles. Like, James Harden just struggled the other day in Joel Embiid, <coughs> right? That's just normal. It's basketball. So the only thing you rely on is the work ethic. So we flew all those guys over here in the month of August, and they got the training right after. It. And the intensity in their workouts and their preparation was uh, second to none. They worked extremely hard every single day. And, um, you know, for them to show me that level of competitiveness – and work ethic i always know that they will do well because what they don't understand as long as they keep working hard it's going to all uh even itself out and then the turning point for them it it always comes when guys are learning to play the pro basketball game it normally comes after christmas Mm -hmm. once you know once after christmas came um their individual success started to take off now a lot of people say well we don't win games well, Detroit Pistons didn't win games. San Antonio didn't win games. Uh-huh. didn't win games. So they're developing. It's hard to win and develop. Now, a lot of people say, well, these guys are putting up numbers, but they're not winning. Keldon Johnson for the San Antonio Spurs put up numbers. Are we saying Greg Popovich can't coach? <laughs> of course
0: not. That's my point. Of course
1: not, man. That's exactly. Not. So, so he's Greg Pop, Popovich is developing just like Ignite. Um, I think a lot of times they say, like, our players' numbers are like fluff. Well, when you're developing talent, you're going to lose games. We're no different than all these teams who was developing to to try to get the number one pick, what they do every year. Mm -hmm. So I just think that while my guys are developing, they're playing against high-level competition, and their work ethic prior to the season start always indicate what type of talent they're going to be. And it's a testament to Sharif. Ross Strickland, you know, bringing the players in, but also evaluating them and finding kids with a chip on their shoulder and understanding that this is pro ball and I'm not always going to play good, but my mind and my heart is in it. And that's the type of young man we look for. I'm
0: going to reference it with with Leonard and and CD Shirley as we get to them in in a second. But what you just said about there is a point that, that the light switch, it definitely flips on. Right. And, and you, you can see it in February and March in particular when Leonard went on the stretch that he did and City went on the stretch that he did. And it, it's funny how I don't think there were enough eyes on the Ignite program last year during the months of February and March. And it's funny how when there are more people watching the games and more people paying attention, you see the stocks of, of some of these guys rise. So that's that's another reason why I wanted to have that conversation. But let's let's get into... The players themselves. Scoot Henderson, right? He's he's currently second overall on my big board, as well as plenty others in the space. However, there have been a wave of scouts and analysts who have moved Alabama's Brandon Miller ahead of him in the rankings. And I don't bring up this conversation to necessarily disparage or, or look down on anything that Brandon did this year. He's third overall on my board. I think he's a spectacular talent, but. What I've been able to see from Scoot coach, it's not just what he's done on the court. Every single thing I hear about Scoot off the court is that he's going to do everything in his power to be the best version of himself. And he just, everything exuding out of him is leadership. And for me, if I'm in a position where I'm drafting first or second overall, that's the type of player that I would want to bring into my organization. But you know, listeners to this podcast, they don't just have to take my word for it, that this is why you're here, Coach. You got to work with him every single day. What can you tell the audience about the type of man that Scoot Henderson is and what NBA teams will be getting from him wherever he gets drafted in June?
1: Yeah, well, he was the, uh, he. you know, from day one, the first time I met him, uh was last year at Walnut Creek, 17 years old. He has a disposition, disposition as, he, as if he's like a 30-year-old meaning like he was very mature for his age. He understands and, and, and knows what he wants in his life. And his work ethic is second to none. I mean, he's a total gym rat. Basketball is the most important thing to him. And if you when you factor that on the talent level that he have, you're going to get an, a crazy um, competitor and someone who has a talent that sky's the limit. And so to your previous point about you know, two on your board and three on your board, at the end of the day in the nba everybody gets drafted right mm-hmm. so you can be one two or three but when you get there you got to play so the number really it, it means something to families and friends and to sports you know sports center and different like that. but at the end of the day michael uh michael jordan went three yeah paul, paul pierce went 10 kawhi leonard went 15 like we do get enamored with the number but when you when you get there that work that has to come out again to go right back up to the top. And so, like I told school and all our our prospects, we're not playing for the number that's next to your name. We're playing for you. We're we're playing so you can stay in the NBA for 10 to 15 years. And so um, all the draftees are uh, uh, well represented. They're all very talented. But I tell all the Ignite prospects, we're not trying to chase a number. We want to go to the team with the right fit. That's going to allow you to grow as a player so you can stay in the NBA for a long time. Um, and I wish nothing but success to all the athletes that's about to get drafted.
0: When, when you study Scoot's game on the tape, right. And just looking at his, his skills package, the, the way that hit his pace, the way he plays in pick and roll, his mid range game, his ability to finish and explode to the basket, the way he can guard at the point of attack defensively. There's all these different skills that we could point to that impress the, the hell out of me. And he, I, I don't remember evaluating another guard like him. I haven't been in the game for forever, I've been trying my hand at scouting for, for the last 12, 13 years, but there hasn't been, in my opinion, a guard quite like Scoot to come into the draft. What, what do you think his upside is in the NBA, someone who's coached them now for, for a full two years?
1: Well, all the, you know, all the guys he's been compared to is, uh, is, is, is warranted. You know The Derrick Rose, um, the, the, the Westbrook. But as he's continued to grow in his vision and feel and his rebounding, he he almost remind me now as he as he gotten older. Well, I don't say older. He's only nineteen. But <laughs> in open court, he he got got that Jay kid to me, Jason Kidd. He likes to rebound and push. I love that. And he pushes with speed. And he's unselfish. You got to think, Scoot had a had the name. You know, obviously since he was seventeen, he could have came back to this year and just shot every shot, right? But he didn't do that. You know, he was understanding and growing as a basketball player, and he's learning the impact that he has when he. Um, creates and get his teammates involved and then people must not forget scoot henderson is only 19 we've been talking about him from two years like he's 22 years old so his upside is still crazy and i just think people kind of forget because his name was hot last year so you get a Mm -hmm. new name which is great but at the end of the day when you get drafted it doesn't matter the number um jason tatum probably should have won number one (laughs) yeah it, it doesn't matter now right nobody talking about where he got drafted now people are talking about where he can be all right where he's gonna be just same with uh nikola jokic he was second round mm-hmm. so that number like again we make a, a it's the draft and everybody want to talk about it but at the end of the day school work ethic um will allow him to continue to get better and do great things once he arrives in the nba
0: I'll never forget that. Arguably, the the best player still standing in the playoffs was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. I will I will never I will never forget that. That's one of the
1: best moments we had. That's facts. And like the people who draft, they make mistakes too. They're human. We just can't you know put just because you're an NBA front office, you, you know you you're not a basketball guy. You make decisions, right? And so the basketball guy is god. He the one at the end of the day has the mm-hmm. final say on who's going to be good. And so um teams make mistakes all the time Jokic probably should have been number one he should have been talked about like one right and so he's showing you right now that whatever pick you you go it don't matter you know he's he's a first bat at hall of fame the day he retires these
0: these subtle shots though coach i'm i'm, I'm a 76ers fan i'm a philly guy man the, the joel Embiid, james harden you bring up jason tatum oh, i'm, I'm try, trying to just make it through this podcast Oh, well, over here. Danny Ainge,
1: Danny Ainge is, is one of the best. Oh, I mean, he is. at the end of the day, no disrespect to Markel folks. He's gonna be a good player and he's mm-hmm. he's, he's he's bounced his way back. But at the end of the day, um, you got to really steady this game and steady these players and watch them inside and out, and don't allow other people's opinions to sway what you see. The game now has grown, and so now we have analytics, which is great, mm-hmm. but if you if you just use analytics that take away the human element that doesn't yep. tell the type of person he is that doesn't tell the type of friend he is that doesn't tell his heartbeat so you know when, when it was pre-analytics no analytics maddie johnson went number one and elijah on went number one and it was just regular basketball um decisions with your eyes and i think we got to get back to that
0: Oh, a hundred percent coach. Come on. You, you, you are, th- this man is preaching on this podcast yeah. today. I, I love it. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
1: to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line
0: let's talk about one of my favorite stories in this entire draft class would be leonard miller right so leonard miller comes to your program after testing the nba draft waters last year and because he tested me in, in a position of scouting I had to go back. I had to watch some of the tape in, in, in Ontario and I had to evaluate him as a potential draft pick. And I, I, I studied this tape very closely and I looked at him and I said, I don't think this guy's fully ready yet. And he played in the combine. That was kind of the outcome that they came to be right. He wasn't ready yet. So very experimental player, wanted to try a lot of things, had the ball in his hands a lot in, 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 in Canada and in high school. And he comes to your program and he embraces a completely different role, right? He, he embraces doing the little things and, and being a hustle player, playing with a very high motor, rebounding, crashing the glass, running the floor. And because of that, he fit in incredibly well, but he also was given an opportunity to produce in ways that certainly impacted you guys and helped you guys win the games that you did. But also it, it really improved his draft stock because it showed, well, this is what he can do at a baseline. And all of that other stuff that we did see flashes of with Ignite, it's still there. He's still so young. He can still get better. So that story of embracing the role that you need to, right, and and then still having that ceiling to be able to develop into something, it's just a great story. What, 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 have, what have been some of your favorite moments in, in coaching Leonard and what have you seen in his development and how can you speak to his character?
1: Well, as you alluded to, in high school, Leonard Miller played point guard. Mm-hmm. Now you come to a program ignite that's getting getting you ready for the NBA. That probably won't be your position, and so for me, it wasn't just to sit there and tell him what you're not. I would never do that to any of my players. What I had to do was build a relationship with him so he can trust me. You got to think these guys um, they have their own inner circle. I don't I don't know them prior to them coming, mm-hmm. and so it just goes to show you that he trusted the process. And relied on the information that we was giving him for his development. At the end of the day, our program is about developing. And I, you know, Leonard, um, you can't play the point guard here. You still can dribble the ball. We want mm-hmm. you to do that. But we gotta focus on ways to make you look good, so you could become attractive to thirty NBA teams who looking to draft you. And that's all we try to do is put these guys in position to what the NBA deems a draftable player. He bought in. Um, he was a great young man, high character, high class individual, and he trusted the process. And so he wanted to score. So these are the ways you 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 can score. And he, he bought into it, and he figured out that. And um, last year, Dyson Daniel was my player that took the biggest jump.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: this year, Leonard did, but Leonard's jump was bigger than Dyson's. And so it's a testament to his work, his work ethic, and him believing in the Ignite process.
0: Leonard strikes me as the the type of player you want to have on your roster at the next level because at the end of the day, teams just need someone who's going to muck things up, right? Someone who's going to crash the glass at a very high level. Someone who's going to be able to, to block shots and play passing lanes and, and guard multiple positions at a high level. Yet, I still haven't seen on quite a number of boards, and I know you're, you're not about the number 100%, but I still haven't seen him jump up to where I feel, you know, at some point you just have to take a guy who you trust to come in and and do the hard work, right? Like how do you feel like Leonard's value should be seen around the league and the different situations he can come in and impact? Like how how do you see him fitting into the NBA once he gets drafted?
1: Well, first of all, I, I, on my own board, since everybody have a board, so (laughs) I played in the league too. I played high level basketball. I have my own board too. So Leonard to me is a lottery pick, right? Okay. Yep. Your, your eyes may not be better than my eyes, but, I I respect your opinion, and people can respect mine. He's a lottery pick to me. And so I feel when he does get to the NBA, his game will translate to Lamar Odom Light. He has the same ability, same size, same left hand, same everything. What he does right now at a high level today is rebound. Mm -hmm. He rebounds and runs the floor. Two things that young bigs need to do regardless if they're getting the ball or not. So those are two things right now today that he can bring to our NBA team. As he continues to get stronger, uh, understand the NBA game even more, um, his game is going to take off because he's a multi-dimensional uh, forward that can pass, dribble, and shoot. And with his size, he can easily slide to the five, and that gives his team – Thank you, uh, yep. Yeah, that gives his team versatility. It gives him versatility, but it also – um uh, allows him to do multiple things on the court to where in the end, he can help his team get victories.
0: Yep. That, that, that small ball five or, or, or backup oh, five you, you starting you four. Say,
1: you say small ball five. Leonard measured last year Chicago at 6'11". Yep.
0: So, and he's, he's going to keep getting bigger too, which is the crazy so, so, thing,
1: so, right? So, so 6'11 is not small ball. Like <laughs> Draymond Green, 6'7", that's small ball that's, Yep. Leonard Miller is 6'11", and he's a 19-year-old young man. So by the time he's 24, 25, if you watch the body of Giannis, if you watch the body of Anthony Davis, you watch Chris Bosh as they continue, even Lamar Odom, as you get older, your body is going to get bigger and stronger for your new job. And so when we're looking at Leonard today, uh, in 2027, he's going to be a totally different basketball player with the same skill set. And so he's a scary one. Um, Again, I'm biased, you know, when it comes to my players. And I just think that whatever team does draft him, they're going to get a special talent and a very special young man.
0: No, I agree 100%. He came in, he did his job, and he
1: produced. 17 he produced. and 10
0: in any league, he that's produced. going to get you drafted, right?
1: Period, point blank. And he didn't, like, again, no disrespect to college. I went to college for four years. I was a college assistant coach for eight, nine years. The talent level that these guys are doing it against are different than other players. I
0: absolutely love the opportunities that that prospects are getting with, with Ignite. I'm I'm happy in general that um, something that's coming with the new CBA is is the the international draft. Right, guys from overseas are going to be able to have a chance to play in the G League for multiple years, just like what you guys are doing. That I, I just love the opportunity that's coming in to to basketball right now in general at this level. So, another player who I have a first round grade on. In, in my opinion, I think has a very legitimate shot to go inside the top 20 would be City Sissoko, right? And he's a player, not many knew about him before the draft cycle started, but once he got a chance to really showcase what he could do for, for Ignite, boy, 6'7", 6'8", six, six, wing, who can handle the ball. One of the best live dribble passers in this class, period, right? His vision off the dribble is, is crazy. His defensive ability his versatility. There are so many different things he can do on the court. Even if I'm not as confident in his consistent scoring today, I think that what he has shown is that he's going to get better at that. And if he does, he just checks so many other boxes for an NBA team, right? But what has it been like to to watch City's development within your program, and and what do you see for for him both now and in the future?
1: Well. He was on point with your eval. He's a big wing uh that that scores in transition. He's an open court scorer right now. Um, his three-point shot is streaky, which is normal for any 18-year-old. That's normal. <laughs> That's nothing, it's no alarm. So on that.
0: I, I brought up this to, to Pooh and I had him on. And and actually in a conversation off the podcast as well, we were talking about some of the research I've done over the last about five, six drafts, and the average three-point percentage of players coming in. Is usually about that thirty to thirty-one percent mark, so it's not thirty-four to thirty-five like everyone would ideally want it to be. These guys aren't coming in to the NBA always shooting the lights out, so it is something everyone gets better at.
1: I mean, it's it's the last skill that you develop. Now, some people do come in with it, but that's nothing but reps and, and, and time, you know, in the gym. But C D, you know, obviously, he's a, a high-level passer um, with tremendous confidence in his passing ability. Um, he has a mean streak. When I say a mean streak, when he drives to the, to the paint, he's using his physical uh, body to try to punish the defender. And so one of the most impressive things um, about CD is he's very athletic, which people don't – well, now they starting to you know, realize it. But he was second in the G League in dunks. And people say, mm-hmm. well, what does that mean? Well, when you're 18 years old and you're getting dunks versus 25, 26-year-old, that's a huge thing. Right, and so that's what he's going to bring to an NBA team. He has a world of, of, of talent, but he's very creative, and as his game continues to define and he continues to get more comfortable with America, the language, um, a, a team going to get another steal. A European big wing they like to pass—that um, means every team need one of those because he's a ball mover. He's not a ball stopper.
0: Absolutely. So there's there's one play. That he did this past year. I will, I will never forget when I saw. I was actually watching the game live. I'll never forget when I saw this. So he grabbed a rebound, looking to push the ball in transition. Defender met him at the free throw line, hit him with the slick behind the back dribble, went full speed, accelerated down the court, and posterized somebody else on the other end. If that's not a testament to how athletic this guy is, I, I don't know what is,
1: right? So and so when when people see see that clip, they'll say, Oh, it's just the G League. Like, and you won't give respect to who's in the G League. Uh, It could have been on Jordan Poole, would that have made it right? (laughs) It could have been on James Wiseman, would that have made it okay? It could have been on Gabe Bisson, who's playing for the Miami Heat, would that have been okay? It's like people disrespect the G League because it's the minor league, right? Only reason why we created this league is because it's not enough NBA roster spots Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's not enough NBA roster spots, so they created a place where young players can develop but he did that at 18 years old, and so I just think when that 18 year old turns 25, he's going to continue to grow. How much better will he be from 18 to 25 years old? It's actually scary.
0: He could certainly take an, an astronomical leap within a few years, within the right program to develop the skill set that he has and give him opportunities to further grow.
1: And Absolutely. a lot of teams got to do like got got to develop as well. It's you know every team is not developing their draft picks. That's just be clear like it's no disrespect to no team because the nba is an honor but like let's just be honest every t- every pair that get drafted first round second round they're not getting developed and they end mm-hmm. up in the G league and a team move on for them so it's not everybody having this elite level programs where they're turning out uh second round 35 35th picks into rotation starters and um i just think that um we got to get back to some of that
0: one of one of the best things that, that one of my mentors, Coach David Thorpe, says all the time is that there is talent everywhere across the NBA. There's talent in the G League. It's about coaching them up and empowering them as players to continue growing. I, I love that. Lo- love why, that answer.
1: That's why we got to give Coach Eric Spolstra in Miami. He's playing with four non-drafted guys. And so my, my thing is none of those guys got drafted, but this summer they're all going to be um, a lot of – teams are going to try to sign those guys over their drafted guys. And so we got to start eliminating those mistakes and drafting these seniors and draft what we see.
0: Coach, you've done this podcast thing one, one, a time before, certainly, because that was like the most brilliant segue into yeah. the last player who we can talk about, who you got the coach. Mo- Mojave mm-hmm. King yeah. has become a deep sleeper. In this 2023 draft, I know I've certainly held on to some stock. One of our other guys in No Ceilings, Tyler Ruckers, held on to some stock. But a lot of people don't really have him inside the top 60 of of their boards. Now, he is playing out at the Combine this week. He's getting a chance to show NBA teams that the shooting slump that he had with with you guys, some of what even went back to his days in in the NBL, it's just a slump. At the end of the day, he's still a shooter, high-level cutter, sees the floor well on both sides. He still has something to prove in this combine so you just talked about why it's important to evaluate all talent not just who can go in the first round talent all the way out to to whoever else has a chance to go in the combine and beyond you have to evaluate everyone the same why should people stop sleeping on mojave king and what can he bring to an nba franchise
1: well i don't think people are sleeping on him i think the nba world knows who mojave king is he's got like all young players he has to continue to um refine his jump shot and become a more consistent shooter Mm -hmm. but in the meantime find other ways to be effective and make yourself a draftable player um like you said he's a high level cutter um Mm -hmm. with a tremendous uh vertical i think he had a 42 inch vert yesterday in chicago and he got to be you know continue to get stronger bigger and and become a dog on defense these things will carry you through games when your shot is not going and so um if he continue to work on his uh, weaknesses and understand who he is and what he needs to do day in and day out, I think he'll be fine because at the end of the day, he's a three-year pro. He played two mm-hmm. years in Australia and one year with us. And so that's what you're getting when, with, with somebody named Mojave King, a three-year veteran of the pro ranks.
0: Absolutely, Coach. You, we, we've, we've talked a lot about these players. We we've talked about your experiences and then things that you value that I could certainly see are coming out of these players by the way that you're coaching them. But is there any other parting words, any last things you want to say about the Ignite program in general, where it's at now, where it's going, anything at all you want the audience to know about what you guys are doing with Ignite?
1: Well, with the Ignite program is fairly new. I mean, you got to think it's the program's only been around for three years. And anytime you have something new, people are always going to take shots at it because it's not the norm. But now we're, we're recruiting against Carolina and Duke and, and, and all the blue blood. So it's it's an uncomfortable um, uh, situation because people don't know about it. So if you don't know about something, you just talk negative to it. But um, we're going to continue to grow and build and develop young men, character-wise, making sure their mentals is correct when they leave our program, making sure that they understand um, it's more than basketball. Um, And then, obviously, people don't know that our kids are in school. They take online classes at Arizona State. And when they do go on to get drafted, their degree is paid for. So anytime they want to stop and take classes, that's that's up to them. And that's at their discretion and time. But we do pay for it. And so you can be a one and done at Duke or you can come be a one and done at Ignite. We're going to still look out for you. This is their alumni. And at the end of the day, we're producing high-level talent. You know, from from Jalen Green, Kaminga, to uh, Dyson Daniels, Marjan, Hardy, Scoop, Leonard Miller, C.D. Sazisco, Mo King. Like, it's a place where a lot of talent and people have to recognize that we're over here uh, doing some good things. I'm just happy to be a part of the program.
0: I agree wholeheartedly, Coach. This is certainly a program where, despite any skepticism people may have, it, the program's working, right? Guys are coming out of this program better. They're getting drafted and they're producing at the NBA level. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Making sure these guys are ready to come in contribute from day one.
1: That's what it's all about. Nothing else matters. Just being able to be ready uh, day one in NBA. And that's my job. And that's what I take pride in doing.
0: Absolutely. Well, coach, this was an honor and a privilege to have you on this podcast. So thank you for taking some time to to speak with me today. And certainly thank you, everyone out there for listening to this podcast and all the others we have on the No Sillings NBA podcast feed. You can find it and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Most importantly, make sure you're locked in to noceilingsnba.com, written draft content every single day, Monday through Friday. By the time you're here in this podcast, it will have already been lottery week. So you have big boards, you have mock drafts, you have everything brand new to check out with everything that was going on with the lottery. But you can find me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. You can find No Ceilings on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. Until we meet again on this podcast feed, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.